welcome back to another Impact tonight of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 124. I'm your host, Adi Creeper. I just run third. Tonight's thoughts are Christopher Carey and Buddy Thor, the process of change agent pro. Christopher Carey is out from the UK and Buddy Thornton. Yes, what's the next topic is self transformation is key. COVID 19 pandemic has restructured our society and how we interact. Our leaders may need to join forces globally and do more on new channels concerning self-transformation for our loved ones and our friends. Self-transformation has a dual purpose. Not only does it involve the transformation of purification of your outer personality, but it also creates an awakening and strengthening of your inner self. Maslow's hierarchy of needs said that basic human needs such as food and shelter must be met before higher learning, reflections, and self-actualization can occur. How we view each other across our different social layers. This is the root cause of our influence. You know, we brought in uh, one of our educators from the United Kingdom the UK, Christopher Terry, uh, and you know, Christopher, you you living United Kingdom, uh, so I believe this question is very relevant for you. And that is, why do educators need to continue to learn about diversity throughout the different careers? Because careers are changing so much, so much now. Uh, the, the lifespan of a of a career or a job is anywhere between three to five years, even if that much. And so we would like to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Hello, everyone. So uh, I'm uh, Christopher Terry. I'm a teacher educator from the UK. Um, so it's a good question. Why do educators need to continue to learn about diversity issues throughout their career? I think it's very important that, you know, when these questions are phrased, we often... I think see it from the reverse in that we think that somehow we need to do diversity uh, for the benefit of the diverse population when actually the benefit comes to ourselves. The worst kind of businesses or schools or echo chambers basically that hear their own opinions going back to them with nothing developing, nothing different. What you want really in educator is to learn new things and one of the uh, great benefits of diversity, which is why it's the reverse of what is normally thought about, is that diversity brings you so much, so many different ideas, ways of doing things, different approaches, different cultures. Uh, it enriches uh, teaching teams, enriches schools, it enriches students and student life. It gives so many benefits that if you didn't have diversity, you would have to go and seek it out. And you sometimes find that in schools that aren't diverse, they go out and try and seek connections because they know they're at a disadvantage. A disadvantage because they won't have these different ideas, these different approaches, these different ways to think about things. So it's important that you that diversity is seen as an extremely positive thing because it is. And if you don't think of it as a positive thing, then you're school, your educational establishment will fall behind because you won't be able to get all those amazing benefits that other schools, educators are having. I think, again, it's important to think about, you know, diversity as well as giving you all these extra ideas and differences of opinion. The other thing to think about with with diversity is it's constantly changing. So you need to constantly be updated uh, with 
um, uh, with new people's views, different groups of uh, uh, ethnic groups that might come into your uh, connection with, seek them out. Because even within different groups and cultures, there is change. People's change, cultures change. Uh, even within a group, you have even within a uh, technically uh, similar ethnic group, there will be massive amounts of diversity and change. The group, even if it was uh, a pure single ethnic block, even with that, there will be multiple differences. But even if you came back to the same block five years later, there will be huge changes. Yeah, younger generations try. Um, have different ideas than the elders, groups split, coalesce, new ideas form, new ideas become the norm. So it's very important that you're constantly thinking about diversity, updating, uh, making sure your groups reflect diverse cultures and ideas so that you can get all that benefits of different views and different people's opinions. You should be doing it personally because you'll be coming across different groups of people and you have to try and... Uh, get an understanding of different groups and what they might be able to bring and benefits and ways to try and avoid offending people because you don't want to, uh, again, you don't want to, uh, defending people is not for the, the point of view of the people um, themselves. They're, you're not thinking about it, oh, well, I don't want to offend people so those people aren't offended. What you want to do is you don't want to offend people because you don't want to off-board or you don't want to have people that are not helping you, you're not going to get any, you're going to get less benefits if you're offending people within your group. So again, you have to think of it the other way around. People need to be uh, uh, appreciated. Diversity needs to be found for all the benefits it can bring to your group, to you as a person, to your students, to your whole establishment. So I think that is essentially the key. Um, and like, and again, like I said, it needs to be constantly updated because diversity updates all the time. Things change, cultures change, ideas change, ethnicities change. We're, you know, we're in this massive melting pot where it is constantly updating and evolving. The final thing I would say as well, as an, educa as an educator, you must realise that you're teaching the students for the world they're going to go into and they're going to come across many different uh, diverse groups and they need to be ready, to, they need to have experience of interacting with them. You know, in school, it might not be perfect interactions as they're learning how to work with different groups. But what you don't want them is to have some kind of uh, single ethnicity or single group, culture group uh, that they live with all the time. And then they go out into the world and have to come across these uh, different groups of people for the first time. Uh, you know, when they're older, maybe their minds have become fixed uh, and they find it harder to adapt to new ways. You can see it a lot. You can, that's where you often find the insensitivities, the cultural differences, uh, problems within society, is when they come from a single group that haven't been exposed to different ethnicities. Yes, there may be tension within these groups, especially in schools, maybe you have different ethnic tensions, but that's the place to work it out. That's the place to, to get people's experience of how to behave and how to get on with different kinds of people. So I think that's really why it's important. And I think it's important for educators to constantly update themselves for their own benefit, to improve themselves, to improve their thinking, to improve their own teaching practice and pedagogy. It's very, very important that you are constantly learning as an educator because that is what you're trying to teach others. Remarks. Remarks. Well, that was amazing. So, you know, I, I want to pull from Buddy Thorne, the Power Social Change Agent Pro, and I want to ask them, uh, you know, a question here uh, as it relates to self-transformation. Uh, 
we tend to think that we are the same person we were five years ago. Although we have changed in many respects, the person appears present as was present then, right? We may start thinking about which features or characteristics can change without changing the underlying self. However, denying right the distinctions between the various features of a person and the mysterious self that supposedly bears their features when we start introspecting or when we start looking at the man in the mirror and so this is our our truth whether we want to accept it or not this is our uh, SWOT analysis our, our strengths our weaknesses our opportunities our trends our threats and are they working based on what we had in mind meaning if I want to be a, uh, a mechanic a mechanical engineer is what I'm doing lining up to be successful in that respect. Uh, or if I want to be a, a surgeon or, or an educator or a public speaker or a talk show host, is what I'm doing, right, lining up to how I see myself or how I want to see myself in the future? And and am I, am I making positive strides toward that, that image or am I being deformed? through deformation am I moving away from that image and not knowing and you know I believe self-transformation uh, can only really happen with accountability that's my thoughts Buddy Thornton the possible changes pro I want to we want to know you know when you when, when we gave you this topic because you've been on so many podcasts when we gave you this topic self-transformation what was the first thing that came to mind for you what, what's in your thoughts well, I have to go back to some of the philosophical roots of almost the same era as David Hume, but I slanted toward Immanuel Kant. Kant's second categorical imperative says that a man cannot be a means to an end. A man must be a means unto himself. And when you combine that with a truism that many people know, but they don't visualize when you stand beside a river the channel and the banks never change and yet the river is never the same from one moment to the next the flow of the river is like the flow of time it is always a progression it's always dynamic there's always a flow effect and so if you want to combine Kant's second imperative that you must be a means to yourself and yet, the world and you within it are never going to be the same from one moment to the next. Everything is going to be dynamic. Then you have to understand that life itself is a journey of transformation. And you must embrace that. You cannot anchor on one point. You cannot anchor on a snapshot in your life. Because to do so means that... Everything around you is going to flow past you. That that was the thought that I came up with. You gave me this topic. Incredible, incredible. Uh, you know, wow. When you were talking, the first thing I thought about was our youth. And we're about to go in here. About to get a little deep. There is a spike in violence in our youth. Um, 
And I'm talking about self-balance. I'm talking about hurting one's self physically. I'm talking about suicide. I'm talking about battling with being accepted amongst peers. We all know that when you are accepted amongst your peers, it greatly and significantly significantly reduces the risk of self-hate, which can lead to suicide. Even in the, I'm going to say it because it needs to be said, even in the LGBTQ community, why does accepting your LGBTQ child matters? And how do you start? How do you begin? The last podcast you were on, you talked about a starting point. All right. This is something that's not going away. The exposure is not going to go away whether you wanted to or not. Okay. And so why should teachers focus more on the underserved communities with children of these different diversities? Right? And how should we or why should we encourage okay a movement of acceptance especially during those adolescent years okay of our young people of our different I guess behaviors of young people right where you know during your time growing up it would have been frowned upon. It would have been. They would have been ridiculed. They would have been beat up. They would have been bullied. They would have been injured. How do we accept? Some would say the unacceptable. How would we have grace? Have show our love. Okay. And our and our ability to accept people, no matter where they're from, no matter what they believe, no matter what practices they have done. How are we going to teach our? Or what are we going to tell our future teachers in the future? Right? What are we going to give them to help them be equipped? To support, to handle, to uh, manage, okay, these th- this new educational, uh, I would say, situation, influence in the future. What what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Because I'm. I'm going off almost in a tangent. What are your thoughts, Buddy Thornton, the possible changes, bro? 
Well, you are off a little bit on a tangent, but you know what? I recognize the serious tone and the need to go off on this tangent, especially when you're talking about self-transformation. Let's look at the root of what is going to be the foundation of our society now versus 20, 30, 40 years from now. And let's understand what humanity really is. First of all, you're asking, what can we do? How do we, how do we lead into, the, into this paradigm? Number one, we have to understand what humans are. Humans are social animals. There is no dynamic. There is no developmental theory that does not acknowledge the need for belonging. That crosses all theories. You can talk Maslow. His needs construct for belonging is just above uh, sustenance and safety and security. At that point, you need to feel like you belong, that you're accepted. Erickson, stage five, early teens to 20s is when abstract thinking kicks in and socialization becomes ultra important. Hormones kick in, so attraction to mating and thinking about how am I going to fit in and how am I going to evolve into becoming a functional adult and how am I going to propagate the species. All of these things start swirling around in these children's heads, whether we wanted to or not, because we were there when we were their age, when we were teens. We can't deny that, no matter how much we want to deny it. And Erickson recognized that, and he recognizes that socialization takes center stage for almost all teenagers, and we, especially the educators among us, have to recognize that that's something that you have to understand is going to be in the forefront. No matter what else you deal with, that's always going to be in the forefront. And Kohlberg, another developmental theorist, in his stage two, Everyone in that age group is seeking an identity, remembering that they're being grouped together. They're in a school. They're in a campus environment. They're in a social environment. Maybe they belong in a certain community. Maybe there's a few neighborhoods that are piled up in that community. But they're dealing with a community, but they're still seeking one thing that we tend to forget. They're still seeking uniqueness. They still want to feel unique within the collective. So you have them seeking an identity and where they fit, and yet they still want to be unique. So here we are. How do we look at that? You know, you mentioned the uh, LGBTQ community. Those kids are a certain paradigm of unique, and they are at the forefront of a lot of conversations, but... One of the problems they have is that they are maybe a little more vocal and maybe they're a little more visible than they should be in in a dynamic and a topic that maybe should be kept a little more private than it is, which is a conversation for another day. But they're just one symptom of a problem in society. Our society does not recognize and does not honor universal positive regard. We blame, we shame, we judge, and that I've preached over and over again in dozens of podcasts. If we eliminate blaming, shaming, and judging and recognizing whether you're faith-based or non-faith-based, faith-based people 
need to look inside, need to be introspective and understand that in every religion, whoever is your creator, whoever is the person that you pray to says, I am the judge. I am the final arbiter of what is right or wrong in your world. You are not to judge. That is my job. So all I'm doing is I'm feeding the faith-based community what they should be doing. And, and yet in our social environment, we all tend to blame, shame, and judge erroneously. We shouldn't be doing that. We should allow people to have their sins. We should allow people to have what, if they, if they think that what they're doing is good and we think it's bad, that's not up to us to decide. That's up to God to decide if we're in a faith-based environment. And it's up to whatever is going to happen if we're not in a faith-based environment. We should not be judging. We should be minding our own P's and Q's and letting nature take its course. And that's what's going to happen 20, 30, 40 years from now. Society is going to make a paradigm shift. And the students that we're dealing with today are going to be at the forefront of that paradigm shift. The population is going to shift from a white majority to a minority majority population, especially in the United States and in the Western Hemisphere. There's going to be more minorities as a collective when you add them all together. Blacks, browns, Pacific Rim. When they, you combine them together, they're going to outnumber the whites who are now the majority. They're going to become the minority if all of the minorities bind together, become a coalition. They will be able to dominate the whites. And that's going to be a paradigm shift that will force the white majority of today to have to become a collaborative group of tomorrow. And these kids need to hear that from the teachers. They need to hear that 20 years from now, you're going to have to look across the aisle and recognize that there is no majority. Everybody is a minority in one way, shape, or form. And it's time for you to recognize that unless you make coalitions, unless you make relationships, unless you use universal positive regard, you will not succeed in any agenda that you wish to push. And that's something that they're going to have to accept. We can focus on the you underserved know, because they're not going to be the underserved at some point. Uh, there are 105, I had to look this up to make sure, there are over 105 synonyms and antonyms of shaming, of the word shaming, and none of them are positive. None of them build someone's inner self. They're all tearing someone down. I mean, they're all degrading. They're all demeaning. They're all discrediting. There's nothing good about shaming someone. So to shame somebody, you're not doing them any good at all. What do you, what do you think you are her? Or what do you don't? You're, you're not helping the situation out. You're not helping the situation out, and you're not helping it out at all. All right, this topic is self-transformation, right, and strengthening the inner self. And how? What are the tools? What are those things that that need to happen? What are those things that educators have to say, have to hone in on, have to focus on, have to assess? to be those positive reinforcements, like you said, to be that scaffolding, to help them build up while they're in their environment, while they're teaching them, while they're their students. COVID-19 is wearing a lot of people out. It's wearing us all out, let's be honest. 
And if you don't give, if you don't pour yourself out as an educator until you're empty, it's not going to work because you're you're stretched way too thin. So you have to give them yourself on a higher purpose. You can't just be doing it for the money because if you're just educating for the money, okay, first off, your students are going to know it. They're going to feel it and they're not going to be receptive. It's going to be hard for you to transform them. It's going to be hard for you to shape them. Hey, it costs. Greatness has a price tag. Are you willing to pay the full price? A lot of people want to pay a discounted price to be great, but they want all the accolades. They want all the glory. They want all the prestige, the influence, but they don't want enough responsibility. Mm. Wait through in Apostles Changes Pro. Let me let me ask you something because I, I I like the way this conversation is going. This was not planned. This is unscripted. We are just flowing. What is going to have to happen for the minds of our generation to be awakened before it's too late and, and the young people take off and leave us behind? What is going to have to happen? Well, two things have to happen. Number one, parents need to understand that they are the ultimate people who are responsible for educating their children. Teachers are paid to be educators, but they can only operate in a bounded environment. Parents are ultimately responsible for making sure that their children become functional adults. And if a teacher isn't going to follow a child from kindergarten or preschool all the way through the end of high school and into college for those who go to college, the teacher only has a very short time period relative to a parent's time frame to influence a child. Yes, there are some absolutely wonderful teachers who do fantastic work. And there are some parents who do fantastic work with their children. but. The national average is 37 minutes a day of quality time with a child by any parent. Teachers have a lot more time with the kids, so the teachers need to understand that as a pseudo-parent, as a parent, uh, parentis in loco, as they say legally, they need to understand that they have to get into the heart of the child. That's tough to do when you have a lot of kids in one classroom and the kids are going from classroom to classroom. They've got five or six uh, teachers by the time they get to middle school and high school. But at the end of the day, if those kids can't connect with you and they can't trust you and they don't feel like you are with them and giving them hope and they can't see the future through your eyes because they don't believe you see the future through their eyes, you're never going to get them, and you're never going to get there. So there needs to be more time spent gaining a collective connection with these kids. A lot of teachers say they don't have time. They have to teach to the standards. You know what? There, there's no, no price tag on 
asking a child how their day is going. And if there's anything you can do to help make their day just a little bit better, a, a smile, uh, understanding, never doubting a child's word when they say they're you know, having a tough day, showing a little bit of empathy, all these things all lead to universal positive regard. Circle back to that shaming, blaming, and judging. You are absolutely correct. Those three words are all tree fall from the word contempt. When you blame, shame, or judge anyone, and when a teacher doesn't show empathy for a student, it's an, by extension, if you're not showing empathy, they are going to assume that you are judging them, that they're not worthy of your empathy. You're not, they're not worthy of your love. They're not worthy of you wanting to connect with them. So they're going to assume you are either judging them or blaming them or shaming them in some way, shape, or form. So they're going to rise that to the level of contempt, and they're going to assume you have contempt for them and their position in this world, and you're going to lose them immediately. So you have to build universal positive regard for every child within your sphere of influence. That has to be job number one for every teacher in every school across the globe because the children are the future. We are the now and we are from the past. They are the future. If that's not job number one, everything else that we do will never matter because if you don't get their hearts and give them hope, we're going to lose them, and once we lose them, they're going to pick their own path. Human beings pick their own path. We're social animals. We're going to pick our own path. They don't need us. They want us, but if we don't meet them halfway, they're going to find their own path. And, and I, you've seen it. Every teacher who I've ever talked to has seen it. If we don't connect with them, they're going to find their own path. And usually <laughs> with little experience and no guidance, it's usually not a very good path. That was priceless. That, that was priceless. And when you were talking, it reminded me, well, of several things. One, my gratefulness for you to be on this podcast, uh, Buddy Thornton, the Post Social Change Digital Pro. And also it reminded me of, of a young lady. Uh, it reminded me of this, this young girl. I, I saw her, and um, I, I had some words with her. And the words I had with her, I thought was for her good, but the timing was wrong. The timing was so off and, and I saw this child cry and to me it was like she broke I'm thinking in my mind what I said to her wasn't that serious I mean she wasn't in trouble anything like that but then as you begin to speak I begin to go back and think I don't know what this child has experienced I mean, we know during COVID-19, there was a lot of domestic violence. There were a lot of things, there were a lot of events going on, right? There were a lot of things that came to the forefront that had been hidden, that could not be hidden anymore because everyone was shut in. So as you begin to talk, I heard something, I heard stability. As you begin to talk and I listen, as we listen, I begin to hear strength. And it led me to think these are the things that we need to instill. These are the key factors 
the key elements that we need to focus on with our youth in this self-transformation. We need to be that frame. We need to be the frame to show them how to put things together. We need to be those that can be this frame. We, we need to connect with people that can be that, that shade, that covering where they can go to for shade and they can have that happy place, that safe place where they can be themselves. Yeah, we need to have that solid foundation that no matter what is happening to them, we can be that rock that they can stand on. And what I heard most importantly for what you said is we have to be fluid. We have to be like water. We have to be, let me talk about water. Water, there's nothing more humble than water. There, there's no substance more humble than water. Water, when you pour it out, it, it gets low to the ground. If you have cracks in the ground, it, it, it seeps to the cracks. It, it, it falls through the cracks. If, if you pour it in a, in, in a vase, it, it forms to whatever you pour it in. And that's how we have to be. We have to be like water. Wherever you pour us, we have to be that <laughs> for that moment. And, and and that's what I heard uh, for what you said. We're out of time already. This is this is bananas. This is nuts. Um, we we got to talk more about this. Listen, this is going to help so many people. It's going to help so many people. So many people. What are your takeaways for tonight? And, and we got to get out of here. But what are your takeaways for tonight? I teach a certain life dynamic. It's called choice dynamics. When I get someone's attention and I get into their heart and they show a propensity to want to listen and grow. I teach them that they are in control of their life, that they are the ones who are the final decision maker in everything that they do from this point forward. And I teach them that they need to develop their voice and then they need to find whether their passions lie and then they need to start learning how to make the choices from here through their life all the way to the end that are going to make or break everything that they do. And I teach them when they make good choices, how to follow through on them. And when they make poor choices, how to pivot and get back on track. And that means that my job and the job of teachers and mentors and other authority figures is simply to be a shepherd. Just keep them in their lane. Once they learn the dynamics of how to be human, just, just human, and follow through for their own self-actualization and try to approach transcendence, which is the pinnacle of what Maslow always spoke of, you don't really need to do much as long as you just keep them in their lane. They're going to continue to grow. You may have to give them a little nudge here, a little guidance there, but 
Humans are incredible creatures. If you just give them a chance, too many times we don't give them a chance. We need to give them a chance. That's 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 my takeaway for tonight. Just start giving people a chance, and especially the children in your life. They they need a chance, and they need to believe that through hope they're going to be able to be the ones who get that chance. Listen, you heard it first. There are so many people listening to this podcast. Uh, we got the reports a few weeks ago. Buddy Thorn, please let the listeners know how they can reach you, how they can get in contact with you. Please do that. Anyone can reach me through my emails or my website, bct at bctmediationsplus.com. Uh, I, I'm on LinkedIn. Anybody can find me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an open book. I use my real name on social media, so you don't have to try to figure out who I am because I'm me. I'm I'm an open book. I don't want the world to have to look for me. I want the world to know who I am and how I am. And I, I don't believe that people who hide behind other names are are real. I think that they're they have something to hide. I don't have anything to hide. All right. Well, listen, this was another impactful and deep night of the Impact of Education Leadership. Good night.